So come welcome Bill and get ready to open up your heart and receive everything he has because he does. He has a lot for you. never ceases to amaze me the dynamics of a group of people. Um, you're all alone on the front row. <laughs> She's a really nice lady. I, I, yeah. And most of y'all are all over here. And I don't really understand why, but yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> And there's a lot of gaps over here because gaps because because they're all kind of like over there. And so, Lord, I just ask that tonight you just get this side. Just. And and everybody that was over here, just get everything to rub off. I like to tell the story, well, I, I, it's a kind of a, it's, it, it's, it's dangerous to tell the story, but <clears throat> when I was, <clears throat> um, be- before I traveled with Randy Clark, um, I met him in, in Vacaville and I became his driver for that week that he was there in uh, June of 98. And um, I, I just went up there to be on the prayer team so that maybe something would rub off that I could take back to my vineyard church in San Diego. That's really the only reason I came up here. Um, you know, some podunk town with some little bitty church never heard of. <laughs> little did I know. <clears throat> um, and so I got him in my car because I became his driver because nobody else was available for it. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? So um, as I'm driving him over to Napa, um, there were two occasions when I reached into the glove box, not because I needed anything out of the glove box, but when I leaned over, I had to rub up against him. <laughs> and I kept thinking, so <laughs> I got him in my car. Now I've got, rubbed against it. Something's got to rub off. And um, I think maybe it did. A lot of stories. Just in case you haven't heard this one. So a man and his family and his mother-in-law go to Israel. And the mother-in-law dies. And so they talk to the official. The official says, I can ship her back to the U.S. for $5,000. Or I can bury her here for $1,500. The man says, ship her back. Well, why would you want to spend that much money when I can save you a bunch of money barrier here? Well, 2,000 years ago, a man died and he rose. And I can't take the chance.
What, did somebody just get it or what? <clears throat> yeah. let, me, let me go a little further because that, that's, not, that's not mine. I might as well give credit to all of things. We have as much of God as we want. You want more of God? Change your lifestyle. Change your lifestyle so you'd fail without him. Ooh, that's going to hit about 2 o'clock in the morning. If my prayer doesn't move me, it's not likely to move him. Prayer must not be reduced to just good ideas. It's the wonderful expression of a yielded heart to a loving and personal God. If I lose consciousness of the God that invades the impossible, I will reduce ministry to my own gifts. Thank you, Bill Johnson. <laughs> I mean, he just drops those things, and it gets in our heart. And, and then you have to chew on it. And, and while you're thinking about it, he's gone on. It's just it, the, the guy's amazing. I just love the guy. Um, here's my premise. I want to talk about something. And as it turned out, when Brent and I were talking um, a week ago or whenever that was, um, and he was telling me that for the first time ever, Y'all are actually, like, going to do a book, uh, the book of Acts. He, they've never taught, like, the whole, the whole book. They've taken parts of a book, but you're going to be exposed. And I said, you know, I've been wondering what it is I'm going to do with this church. I've, I've done every one of my messages up here. Um, I know, I've done every one of my messages up here, and some of them several times, like today. I, I did that two years ago, basically. Um, I only have a few messages, but see, it was just like when I was traveling with Randy Clark. He only had six messages, and I traveled with him for a year and a half. I heard the same message a lot, but I got something new every time, even though I'd heard it. So as I was you know, talking to Brent and Suzanne, and he's telling me about this. I said, you know, I've got a message, and maybe you're speaking to me, that I've got a message called normal Christianity. And my premise is that if you really want to know what normal Christianity should look like today, you, you don't look at uh, the Gospels. You look at the book of Acts. Because in the Gospels, Jesus was with us. In the book of Acts, he's gone to be with the Father, and um, he has sent the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a real echo up here. Do y'all hear that? Um, or is it just me? Okay, so our, our incredible sound people will once again make me sound like James Earl Jones. So, <laughs> so I'm going to try to tell a few stories. And I know that's going to seem strange to some of you because that's not what I normally do. I normally preach the word. Yeah, that is a joke. <laughs> yeah, I just tell, I'm a storyteller. I, I don't do line upon line, precept upon precept. I, I tell a story to make the point. And so if you really want to look, like, look at what normal Christianity should look like, I, I believe we look at the book of Acts. So it ought to look like the power of healing. We, we all are familiar with that story in Acts chapter 3. John and Peter are encountering the man at the gate, beautiful. Uh, he's a crippled, I think 38 years as I remember. And, and they go by him. And, and, you know, it's entirely possible. 
entirely likely that Jesus has passed that man. That, that was a, a well-known gate. That was a well-known, and he's there every day. He's a beggar. That's what he does. It's not like he's going to go running around. It's not going to the next town. He's a beggar. He's a cripple. He was probably there, and yet Jesus never healed him. I mean, that's speculation, but um, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that's right. Because I've got the microphone, so I'm sure, I'm sure that's right. And, and you know the story. So John and Peter, you know, he's looking intently. He wants something like food or money. He's a beggar. And they said, you know, we don't, we don't have any of that. We don't have a sandwich. We don't have any good barbecue like we had tonight. No iced tea. You know, we don't have that. But what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And it got him in a lot of trouble, if you remember that one. Uh, which, and then as, as the religious leaders really got down on him and said, you can't do that anymore, they basically said, well, you know, God, that trouble you got us into, that you gave us, that power, that thing, that power, uh, we want some more of that. That ought to be the cry of our heart. And so if you want to bring this down to today's message, if you would show the first picture. This is Fernando. <clears throat> I met Fernando in um, 2006 in Manizales, Colombia. Um, and, and since I just mentioned a trip, if you've been on a trip with me, would you stand up? Little Suzanne and Tim. Okay, that's awesome. So here's the deal. Don't, stand, don't, don't, don't sit down yet because they need to recognize you. If you've been on a trip and, you, and, and you're standing and you, you who are sitting want to know about a trip that I take, which I'm going to Brazil. Um, it's the only, only place I'm going that I'm taking people this, this year. Uh, if you want to know about the trip, go ask them. What is it like? Uh, I take small teams with me to Brazil, and it's both good and bad. The, the good is you'll get to, because it's a small team. Yeah, you can sit down. It's a small team, and so you'll get to pray for a lot of people. Um, the, the bad side is you have to spend a lot of time with me. <laughs> but my first, my first trip this year that I'm taking a team will be in June, June the 10th. I'm going to um, uh, Brasilia, which you have heard of, but I'm going to a suburb called Taguachinga. So they're right there. You, I just taught you some Portuguese, Taguachinga. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. <clears throat> but I will be going to um, Campo Grande in September and Fortaleza. Incredible places. Oh, my gosh, incredible places. So I really encourage you, if you want to know about my trips, there's a sign-up sheet that says missions. I don't try to sell you anything. I don't try to solicit you for money. It's strictly to let you know about my trips. So if you would, sign up on that sheet, and you'll be getting email blasts from me. And it's still time to go on the trip to um, Brasilia. And um, Kathleen is going with me, special friend. I'm brought up from San Diego, and, uh, and Laura. Laura's going, yeah, and you got really good airfare, didn't you? Um, pretty good airfare. This time? Yeah. Uh, how much? Well, with insurance and everything. Oh, no, just the regular air. 900. 900 round trip to Brasilia. That's a really good price. Yeah, I had somebody else from New York uh, get a price of $800, which I thought was really good. So if you'd like to know about those trips, so... I meet Fernando. I'm getting ready to do the meeting, uh, Carol, Carol and me, and um, I see him walk in the door. Um, 
it, it, it was not a, like a, a regular church. It was like an, a warehouse building in the middle of the block, overhead door kind of thing. So he had been walking by. So he comes into the church, and he comes in on a cane like this. Every step, laborious, pain on his face. <clears throat> and I watch him walk in, and then I have to get ready for the meeting, and I lost track of him. And so um, what I don't know, that was, that was um, Sunday night. I don't find out the story until Thursday morning. When he had come in, an elder had seen him, became friends with him, found, found out he was unsaved. He had been hit by a truck six years before. He was in a wheelchair for two years. Then he was on this cane, lost his job, lost his family. His life is just turned upside down. And he had been walking by the building, and he said it felt like something grabbed him and pulled him in. So he's unsaved. So the guy leads him to the Lord. I don't know any of this. So we had been talking about uh, marriages and stuff like that. That's what the pastor wanted that, that night. But we had been there the night before, <clears throat> and there's been so much healing. And so when we get ready to go into ministry, before we do, he said, there's people who've come because they heard about the healing last night, and they're just desperate. So I said, okay, Carol, you take all the married couples over there, and... <laughs> I'll take anybody who needs healing over here. So I said, if you need healing, go over here. 35 people walk over there. Now, I know my translator, is, a, is he's only going to give me 10 minutes to do ministry. I don't have time to lay hands on everybody. And for those of you who have been to Colombia, because uh, that, that's where we were, Manizales, Colombia, you, you know my, my translator, my coordinator. I know in 10 minutes he's going to say, we got to get on the bus right now. We got to go to the hotel. You cannot stay here anymore. We have to go right now. You do not have time to fall in love with anybody. <laughs> you know, he's just trying to look out for us. I know I've only got 10 minutes, so I, I don't have time to lay hands on everybody. So I tell him, put the hand where it hurts. You know, it's, it's like, it's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. Put your hand on your head, headache. Put your hand on your shoulder. Got a shoulder pain, stomach, stomach pain, hip Hip pain, I, duh. And so I'm praying, you know, in the name of Jesus, I command headaches to go, shoulder pain to go, hip pain go. And I see him take that cane and throw it down on that marble floor. It makes a loud noise, as you might imagine. Everybody's like, what just happened? And he starts walking. And at first it's laborious, a little stiff. And then it was like God began to pour oil in all the joints, and he began moving like this, jumping up and down and running around, He's, and place goes crazy, like you just did. <laughs> so many times when there is a dramatic healing, there is an anointing for healing. So I go down and lay hands on him for anointing to heal, because I don't know this story. Well, the guy who led him to the Lord said, well, you can't just go back out there. You, you just got saved. You just got healed. You need to come to my home group. So that was Sunday night. You come to my home group Tuesday night. So he comes to the home group, and the guy says, you know, the little bald-headed guy prayed for your healing. You got healed. Then he prayed for you to be anointed to heal. Let's see if it works. See that woman over there? She's wearing glasses. Go pray for her. He's been saved for two days. <laughs> he has not been through the Bill Do School of Healing and Anointing. Who knows what he said or did, but he went and prayed. And all we know is 
When she took off her glasses, she could see. When she put on her glasses, she can't see. Yeah. So he comes back to the meeting on Thursday morning, and this is when I find out this story. And then he and I and Carol and my translator walked 10 blocks back to the hotel. No pain, no cane. We ought to expect to see healing, dramatic healing. It ought to be part of normal Christianity for each and every one of us. Amen? Okay. That ought to be what we would expect. In Acts chapter 5, 14 and 15... It's the story about Peter's shadow. What they said was believers were increasingly added to the Lord so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Now, Peter's shadow was not healing. It was the foreshadowing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he was so filled that he was spilling. I want to show you a picture of a little girl, two years old. Isn't that cute? Cerebral palsy. And so when she would walk, she could take a step or two, but then her foot would catch and she'd fall. They said she couldn't take more than two or three steps. And so when we did a, this is in Australia, by the way. So when we went into the prayer, uh, not a prayer tunnel, fire tunnel, whatever you want to call the tunnel, the mom is kind of saying, just go through there. And all of a sudden, she walks through the tunnel. It was like the presence of the Lord. It's not anything we worked up. It's not something that, frankly, we really knew about. But we had brought the presence of the Lord into that room. If you would show that video. <laughs> They've never seen her walk. And there she goes. They say she would have fallen about three or four times by the time she got to the end of where she is right now. But she went through the fire tunnel yesterday. There goes mom after her. And she started lifting her leg. She used to wobble like she was drunk. But this morning, she's walking perfectly normal. I mean, come on. We can create such an atmosphere of his presence. I know I've told that, this story here before, but one of my absolute favorite stories is about Brian uh, Johnson. Uh, Brian Johnson's the, the leader of worship at Bethel Church up in Reading. He's Bill Johnson's uh, son. He and Jen are the pa- uh, pastors of worship up there. And I got to be friends. When I was traveling with Randy Clark, I got to be friends with uh, uh, Brian and, and his sisters and just that, that whole family. And... Um, he told me the story where he went to the mall. And if you've been to Reading, you know that mall is a relative term. <laughs> if you've never been, then you need to go and go to the mall. But it's kind of small. It's a small mall, y'all. <laughs> so he just goes, got his acoustic guitar. It goes off to the side there, just leans up against the wall. He's not bothering anybody. He's not making a commotion. He's out of the way. And he's just strumming that acoustic guitar, singing the song from, you know, years ago, whatever, whatever he was singing. He's just worshiping in the mall. 
And as he's worshiping, he's creating a zone, an atmosphere. And a young man comes walking through and he gets into the zone, stops, reaches into his pocket, takes out his drugs, throws them on the ground, stomps on them, and goes on walking. We can create such an atmosphere. We can be so filled that we spill. When I was traveling with Randy Clark, he was mentoring an 18-year-old kid, um, really anointed guy. And so when we would go off the trip, you know, we'd be home. He'd be with his youth group there in St. Louis. And we'd get back together and, you know, go on the next trip. And I'd say, Ben, you know, how was your time at home? And what'd you do? And he said, well, me and my um, group, you know, the, the young kids, uh, we, we went to the mall and we went in the store. I mean, th- this happened multiple times, things like this. Not the same store, but things like this. He said, we went into the store. It was kind of a new age store. And as we're walking down the aisles, we're not doing anything. We're just kind of looking at everything. And the Ouija boards were falling off the shelves behind us. And we had to go to the manager and say, we didn't do that. We, we didn't mess this up. This is just the power and the presence of God. Oh, to carry that. Don't you want that? Well, you can. You can have it. You can be so filled. Oh, my gosh. Normal Christianity, we ought to expect that we change the atmosphere. You know who Jill Austin uh, is? Yeah, she's since gone to be with the Lord. Jill became a friend of uh, uh, Carol and me, and uh, every once in a while we'd get together. And So we went to a pizza restaurant in San Diego, just kind of catching up, telling stories. We had not seen her in in a year or so. And, you know, how are you doing? We're doing good. How are you doing? What are you seeing? What do you think? What's, What's going on? And we're in the very back booth, and so there's only one booth that's right next to us, and three men come in and sit down. And we're just telling stories. I mean, we're just talking, you know, like, so, what, so what's going on with you? Yeah, I see this, yeah. It's, you know, we, and we pray for this guy. I mean, it's just a normal conversation. It's not like we're shouting and telling stories, you know, that everybody in the restaurant's hearing. It's just normal conversation like we had at, at dinner tonight over incredible barbecue. <laughs> What's the name of that place? That's where the elephant bar was. In Lucille's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, got, you need to go to Lucille's and, and, and you know, give them your business. Great barbecue and a cool place. And they did not pay me for that. But I do think I'm going to go back and tell them. That. But anyway. So we're just telling stories like this. And then the, the Lord just kind of whispers to me. He says, the three guys behind you, they can't take it. They're going to move. And, and I literally, 20 seconds later, I hear the guy say, you know, could we just move over to that table right over there? I mean, it's the same waitress, so it's not like they didn't like their waitress, so they wanted to move. Basically, they were being bombarded with the love of God, and they weren't ready for it. And, and that's not our fault. But, you know, the, you just hope that, okay, that's, that's one instance where they get the love of Jesus. But you can create that atmosphere by being who you are being filled with his presence. You do make a difference. You change things. <laughs> Normal Christianity. We ought to expect the angelic. Do you know in the, in the New Testament, you see a tremendous amount of activity of the angelic. Now, I know there are some, some people here who were here this afternoon 
And so you're going to get to step into what it was like for me traveling with Randy Clark, hearing him tell the same stories over and over. <laughs> if you would show that first slide uh, picture, um, this is down in Colombia. Um, my translator had said there will be 4,000 people or so in a soccer field uh, three nights in a row. That's where we're going to do the meetings. And so this is night number two. I've got about eight prayer team people with me. Those are the ones with their backs to you here. We've, we've prayed for everybody. We've given the message. We've invited anybody uh, to come forward who wants prayer. And this is what happened. And you can see the white chairs. And to the left there, it looks like, a, a, like a, a, an aisle. Okay. Show the next picture. This is the third night. And this is the field as I've just gone up on the platform to be able to give the message. Now, I've got people praying for this meeting, my intercessors. Um, um, I was trying to, well, you're one of my intercessors. You're on that. You, you got my email probably to be praying for these meetings. I've got people praying for you from, from South Carolina to New York to, to Iowa. And so one of my intercessors is, is in Davenport, Iowa. Now, she's been with me to Columbia, so she knows basically what I do, but she doesn't know what's going on in the meetings because we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know we were going to be doing meetings out in a soccer field. But she wakes up that morning, this is the third morning, and she's got a song running through her mind. It's by Brian and Jen Johnson, Calling the Angels, Calling the Watchman Angels on the Wall. You guys know that song? You're, a couple of you, yeah. And so all day long, she's just singing that song in her mind, knowing it was for us. And we needed it because that night when I called everybody forward and I took the picture again from the exact same location. Go ahead. A lot of times when the angels show up, they're in little orbs. But we apparently needed some, we needed an army of angels. And that's what, and you can even see the wheel within a wheel. In there, And if you look really hard over here on the left, way up at the top, you can see that aisle. So it's from the same angle. It's not like there was new lighting. It was not like there was anything of a change because there wasn't. It was just a situation where the angelic showed up in, in, in mass. We ought to expect the angelic. Okay. I finally had, I finally had my encounter last summer. I do a lot of meetings with uh, Gary Oates. Um, Some of you may remember that uh, we did an Angels and Miracles conference. I see some heads shaking in Livermore out here uh, in 2010. Gary Gary and Carol and I would do a lot of conferences. We've done 21 of them now, Angels and Miracles. And he would talk about the angelic. And he would always talk about, you know, have you ever had an occasion where some, something, somebody helped you, like, you know, they, they, they helped you change the tire or they, they brought something you had lost or whatever. And, and it was like, all of a sudden, you turned around and they were gone. Anybody had those experiences? So you have a bunch of you. We would do these things and Gary would ask that question and 95% of the people would raise their hands. Carol and I would look at each other and say, it's never happened to us. What's wrong with us? And so when Carol passed away, many of you knew her, um, 
one of the people who was greatly influenced by her uh, ministry and, and who literally called her Mama Carol. And he wrote an article. He said, you know, she passed away. She was a mama to me, a spiritual mom. And years ago, I had seen her in a meeting and I told her the healing power that she carried was flowing out of her. And there's a Jewish term for that. It's called mikvah. It's a healing pool. It's a blessing. It's a healing kind of thing. And it's like from her was emanating healing so that people wanted to be there. And I've got a picture of her having prayed for somebody and hugging and people are all around her. And you, it's like you can see the desire on their faces. I want that. And oddly enough, Kathleen carries that exact same anointing. They, she just draws people to herself. She is a mikvah. So I'm coming back from um, a missions trip. I land in San Diego. I get off the plane. I'm headed up, you know, to go get my bag. And all of a sudden, there's this guy right here. And he's talking a mile a minute. You look like somebody who could help me. I, you know, I've not had anybody here that's been very nice to me or anything. I'm a businessman. I've, I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in Salt Lake City. I'm supposed to be going home. I'm from Pennsylvania. I was a, P a Penn State graduate. And, and I'm thinking, why are you telling me all this? And, and it feels like there's a whirlwind all around me. And I'm thinking, okay, you're, you've got something on your mind. You're going to ask me for something. Um, is this a scam? You know, I, first thing you think is there's going to be money involved and things like that. And he keeps going on and he says, I'm kind of stranded here. Uh, I don't have any money. I'm, I'm a businessman. I'm not supposed to be here, but I've got to stay overnight and they won't fly me out until tomorrow. See, here's my Delta ticket, you know. I mean, he's just talking a mile a minute and, and I, it becomes obvious that he needs help. And I, and I already kind of, in my mind, I'm saying, you know, I don't care. It may, if it's a scam, it's a scam. I've got some money. I'm just back on a trip. I, I can help you. So we step off to the side. I said, look, I've, I've got some money. I can help you. I know it's expensive here in San Diego. Uh, so um, let, me, let me just take care of this. Oh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll, 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 give me your name and address, and I'll, I'll repay you th uh, three times over and, and all this stuff. So I'm, I reached down into my case, and as I'm doing this, he says to me, this is such a blessing. It's like a mikvah. It's a Jewish term. Have you ever heard that? Because he said, I'm Jewish. And he keeps telling me about how he's Jewish, he's a Penn State graduate, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, mikvah, do I know what mikvah is? Oh, you just don't even know. I didn't tell him that, but I'm thinking, oh, you just don't even know. But it hits me. So I get him the money, hand him out, I don't know, $120, $130, because it is expensive in San Diego. And I, I bend down to zip up my case, I mean, he was just, he was right here. I'd been down. He's not there. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'll see him because he's got to go out to get his bag because he's going to stay overnight. I'll see him at the, at the counter. I'll see him as I'm walking up because, I mean, he can't be very far ahead of me. Well, needless to say, he's gone. There's no trace at all. Did I ever get my money back? No. No. However, I called Gary because he had an experience in 2002 where he was literally taken into heaven. When he came back into his body, his eyes were open to see the angelic. And he moves in that anointing and he, he sees he has incredible stories and he partners with angels and, it's, and I want that. I'm used to hearing stories about angels 
like helping you, saving you, um, doing all these kinds of things. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, it, it seemed like it was an angel, but Gary, I don't understand. I ended up giving him money. Uh, and, but, but Gary said, get ready for your blessing. You helped an angel unaware. Two weeks later, I'm driving down the freeway. It's one of these hot, hot days. It's crowded on the freeway, and I have something bounding toward me, and it goes under the car, and all of a sudden a light comes on, and I'm wondering, was that light there before? No, it wasn't. Flat tire, of course. And so by the time I get off, off the road, it is totally shredded. I've got stuff out of the wheel well hanging out. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a mess. And so when I take the car in for service, the, the guy tells, oh, I, I, I need to tell this part first. I got, a, I got a, 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 an email from a woman. I had ministered in Fremont over here at Harbor Light um, back in February. And I got an email from a letter that I couldn't pick this woman out of a lineup if I had to. I've never met her. I don't know who she is. But she told me, I've sent you a check. I was so blessed by your ministry back in February. Now, this is now like August. It's out of the blue. And I'm not even sure how she got my email address, maybe other than the website, whatever. I'm not sure. And she said, I've sent you a check. Well, I got the check. It was $2,500. Yeah, that's kind of nice. And so I go to the dealership, and I'm, you know, here's my tire. Obviously, I need a new tire. Right. Well, you know, your, your tires are getting pretty close to needing, I, and I knew that. So, okay, four tires, just four tires. They're real cheap. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, and you're about 500 miles away from your service light coming on, and it's a big service, so you're here. Okay, do the service, whatever. And it's cheap. And then he says, I don't know if our guys can fix the wheel well kind of stuff with the padding and all the stuff that goes in there, but we'll try to keep you from having to go to a body shop. And he calls me back and he says, yes, they can do it for $600. Add it all up, it was $2,400. I got to keep 100 A blessing because of the angelic. Show the next picture, if you would. Uh, this is Cartagena, Colombia. Um, the story that goes with this is about being paralyzed. Ananias, in Acts chapter 9, verses 32 through 35, he was bedridden for eight years, paralyzed. And the disciple says to him, the Lord Jesus heals you. Arise. We got to expect that. I've seen people with absolute paralysis. You ought to see the look on their face when they realize they can suddenly move what was paralyzed. It's worth everything. So, interestingly, years ago, this couple comes to Moravian Falls where uh, Carol and I and Gary Oates are doing Angels and Miracles conference. And the guy tells me later, he says, the only reason I came to the conference was to show my wife that um, she was involved with a cult. 
And I, I didn't like you much when you got up and spoke on Friday night. I'm, I always lead off the conference. I didn't like you. You spoke truth, and you weren't weird, and people got healed. <laughs> and, and then when your wife got up and spoke Saturday morning, I knew it was all over. I'm completely wrong. So they bought everything we had ever spoken or written. Two months later, they're on a trip with us to Brazil. And it changed their lives. And so he's on the prayer ministry team with me now. This has been, you know, five, six years later. And we're ministering and people are coming forward. And there's a woman and she's carrying this young boy. He looked like he was about four years old. He's eight years old. His twin brother died in childbirth. He's paralyzed. He's never been able to raise his arms. He's paralyzed on one half of his body. He can't walk, can't run, can't play with the kids, can't raise his arms. And my friend Alex is thinking what I know you would not think. Well, bummer for this little kid. Obviously something's wrong. That's why they're carrying him and they're going to have to carry him out because I've got faith, but I don't have that much faith. I know you wouldn't think that. But you know, sometimes it's not about our faith. That little boy said to his, um, it wasn't his mother, but it was his friend who had brought him to the meeting, a, a woman who was looking after him. Take me up there. I want my healing. And he walked away, went to the, this was the first service, went to the second service to the kids group. And for the first time, they came back and told us, for the first time, he's running and playing and playing and with the rest of the class. So we ought to expect absolute incredible miracles, even when we don't expect them. Because we never know when God's going to show up. That's normal Christianity. Go ahead and show the next picture, please. This is probably one of the few times that I'm a lot taller than... <laughs> I had to go to Japan to... So the story behind this, before we do the meeting, we go in, we're having Kentucky Fried Chicken in... Osaka. Well, right, I couldn't find barbecue, so we, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we met this young man named Katsu. Katsu came to the, he was like, I don't know, 16 years old, and he, um, he went to the youth group, not because he's saved or even wants to be saved, doesn't believe in Jesus, none of that. He just likes the, likes the, the class. And, and so we go into the meeting and this woman, big old honking hearing aids, end up praying for her. She gets healed. And everybody's celebrating, going crazy. And Katsu is sitting there next to the pastor. Um, and, and, and he's watching all this. He said, what just happened? Oh, she just got healed. Who? That, that lady right there. When? Well, it happened just now. Why? Because Jesus showed up and they prayed, prayed for her. When? Well, just a couple of minutes ago. Where? Right here. What just happened? They prayed for her. I mean, he just could not believe it. But it made an impression. And so at the end of the meeting, you know, I'm up here getting ready, getting my briefcase, and we're going to go off. And all of a sudden, I turn around, and there's Katsu. I want this power. You see, in Acts chapter 8, Simon 
When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power. It's good that he wanted the power. It's just he's going about it in the wrong way for the wrong reasons. Katsu is saying, I want this because my sister is in the hospital and I want this to go lay hands on her. I, I couldn't speak his language and we were being pulled out of the meeting. So I brought one of the Japanese guys who looked as Japanese as you possibly can high cheekbones, etc. but he had been raised in New Zealand and his name was Bob. He wanted to be, I tried to call him Bob. I tried to call him Japanese. Bob, it was, Bo, no, Bob. Sounded, sounded like a Kiwi. So I brought Bob up to lead him to the Lord. I'm walking out the door and I look back and Katsu is. They will flock to the power and love of God. That's why you've got to keep going with what you're being called to do and to be. I think I have one more. Oh, yeah, Alex. In Acts chapter 11. The prophets came to Antioch and Agabus showed great famine by the Spirit. We ought to believe that our words will prophesy love, mercy, grace, and destiny. So I'm in Vacaville three years ago at the mission. And we're, we've had a lot of categories that we've prayed for. And people have gotten healed. And this is now the last one. I've got everybody standing. If you've got pain in anywhere in your body, or you got a problem, condition, eyesight, hearing, diabetes, whatever. If you've got a problem and you still need prayer, stand up. So I got all kinds of people standing and I'm praying over them as best I know how. You know, headaches go, shoulder pain go, stomach pain goes, hips, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as I'm speaking, all of a sudden I start turning because I've told everybody, put your hand where you've got a problem. As I'm turning, words start coming out that I have no intention of saying. And as I'm turning, left eye, left eye, left eye. I hadn't intended to say that. But as I, as I did, I watched this guy, Alex, remove his hand from his good eye, realizing he now can see. We got his testimony. He had been in a bar fight five years before. Bigger, much bigger guy. Beat him up. And because of the beating... He was blind in his left eye. Had broken the socket the whole bit. And so we got his testimony and, and then he came back the next day and Gary has his book in Spanish and, and he's the one who got the book. He, he, he's Hispanic. He's the one who got the book. And he told us the night before, which was a bummer for me because I didn't like the interview that we had done with him. The quality wasn't that good. And I thought, well, bummer because he's not coming back because he has to go to work. And he came in smiling, and he said, I just couldn't not be here. Wow. And so we got to interview him again, and then he got the book. Last year, I'm telling this story on Sunday morning. It was part of whatever it was I was doing, whatever message. I'm telling that story, and I was saying, and, you know, as I was turning, I was saying, left eye, left eye, left eye. 
And there was this young man, and he stood up, and I saw, you know, him move his hand from his good eye. In fact, uh, the, the young man was, was uh, sitting right about where you are, sir. And the guy stands up, and he says, I'm the guy that brought him. Wow. Come on. Well, as Gibbs says, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Rule 29. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, there's a bunch of you. Oh, I've said that so many times to people, and everybody looks blankly at me like, are you kidding me? That ought to be normal Christianity. Normal Christianity. So here's what happened. Years ago, the Vacaville Church was really struggling with who they were, their identity. And, of course, there's Carol and me. I mean, our, our whole thing was all about healing. Me more with physical, her with emotional. Many of you remember her, know that. You know, you've been under her ministry. And this church was really kind of struggling. Who are we? And, and what do we really believe? And what is? And, and I, we, we kept thinking, this, what I've just described, ought to be normal Christianity for every one of us. And so Dave Crone, the pastor of the church, he wrote, actually it turned into a book. Now it's turned into several books. Maybe some of you have it, but it's basically decisions that define us. And this is what he wrote because it hit Carol and me like, okay, we are home. This is what we believe. In order to be people that turn the world upside down, Acts chapter 17, 6, they would have to make important decisions. They are decisions that determine what we think, what we believe, and how we live. Teaching the gospel without demonstrating the gospel is not enough. Good preaching is not enough. Being proud people is not, uh, being good people is not enough. Having good Bible studies is not enough. That just making it to heaven is not enough, and knowing about God without truly knowing and experiencing God is not enough. Change without transformation is not enough, and staying that way is not an option. Gifting without character doesn't work. Singing songs without worshiping is not enough, and having meetings without God showing up is not enough. Our function comes out of our relationship first with the Father and second with each other. Reading about the book of Acts without living the book of Acts is unthinkable. Hearing about the Holy Spirit without experiencing Him is not enough. That believing in healing without seeing people healed is absurd. And that believing in the deliverance without people being delivered is absolutely ridiculous. We have decided to be Holy Spirit filled, Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit empowered. Anything less does not work for us. We have decided to be the ones telling the stories about God's power, not ones hearing about it. Living saved, but not supernatural, is living below our privilege and short of what Christ died for. We are a battleship, not a cruise ship. An army, not an audience. Special forces, not spectators. Infectious instead of innocuous. Don't get around us. We'll get you. Contagious instead of quarantine, deadly instead of benign. Radical lovers and outrageous givers. We see past events, successes, and failures as stepping stones, not stop signs. We are not limited to the four walls of this building. Our influence is not restricted by location. Not even the nations are out of bounds. We're more concerned about how many we send out into the world 
than how many we convince to come into the building. The building is meant to be filled, and it will be, but it's not the measure of who we are or the measure of our effectiveness. We raise up world changers, not tour guides. We train commandos, not committees. We've decided it's better to fail while reaching for the best God has planned for us than succeed settling for less. Nothing short of his kingdom come, his will be done in our world as it is in heaven. Nothing short of that will satisfy. We will not be satisfied until our world freaks out and cries, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. These are some of the decisions that define who we are as a community and how we live our lives. A path followed by the first century church. A path of bold faith, outrageous generosity, and radical love. No matter where you are in your life journey, there is room on this path for you. This is not an invitation to inactivity or retirement, but to cease striving, walk in rest, and partner with Christ while turning your world upside down. Normal Christianity... It's the power of God. It's the love of God. It's at the altar, and it's out there. Anything less is below our privilege. And that's my message. And I have no idea when I started, but I think that was relatively short. Relatively. Relative being a relative term. So maybe we do a little bit of normal Christianity. I felt like I had a couple of words, and I want to start with that. Uh, if this describes you, would you be so bold uh, as to stand up immediately? Don't wait for your spouse, your friend, neighbor, whatever. Just acknowledge the fact that, yeah, I've got a problem, and he's not teasing. He really wants to do something. Um, the right wrist, I really got a pain in the right wrist. I think that's you. If, you have, if that's you, stand up. If it's your left wrist, I would just say, well, maybe he's dyslexic, so thank you. Yeah. What have you got to lose? You know, I, I keep, I didn't think, I didn't think, but I, I kept running into this the last couple of years where, um, where I'm challenging people. I mean, this has something to do with the same thing. I kept challenging people. How many of you are afraid to pray for somebody because what if nothing happens? And I've been amazed at how many people have answered that and said, yeah, if, if I was being honest, that, that describes me. Well, how many of you are afraid to pray for somebody because what if nothing happens? Well, nothing is already happening. <laughs> so what have you got to lose? So, you know, in the early days of the Toronto outpouring in 94, 5, 6, those early, early days, the word was, if the ministry call is for blonde, Swedish, pregnant women, you go forward anyway. <laughs> so, you know, if, if it was me and the word of knowledge was for right hand and it was your left little finger or your forearm, I'd just stand up anyway. I'd just go for it. What have you got to lose? I had a, a, a word... Um, Maybe it's, for, maybe it's for that person, I think maybe it was, but stomachs. I, and I'm, I've, been, yeah, I've been battling some stuff, so I have a feeling there's a bunch of stomach issues. Um, and if you would acknowledge that, stand up right now. Don't wait to the end, okay? Um, it's about your immune system. Um, there's something in the immune system that's a problem. I know, uh, you know, 
well, I know there's a bunch of people, frankly, that you're dealing with immune systems in some sort. There's some sort, there's something wrong uh, in the vocal cords. I, I felt even that there was like somebody who's got like a nodule. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a tumor or anything like that, but it's just something in the vocal cords, if that's you, if you'd stand up. The Achilles tendon, I actually, there was a, somebody who I, we almost prayed for this afternoon, but I, I got, when I walked in here, I got the pain, and I, I felt like it was for, for that. The left finger, so, you know, right, left, just, just go for it. And you have a, more of a prophecy, right? Or is that, or is that a word? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, let's just see what happens here. Um, if you would... Um, put your hand where your problem is. And I didn't do anything with feet, did I? Okay, you can, well, I did the Achilles. If it's your Achilles and you need to sit down to lay hands on that, that's okay. Just be, stand up when I, I check in with y'all, okay? All right, so if it's you, like you've got your hand on your stomach and, and you've got it on fingers and stomach and, and nodule on your on your neck. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I want you to close. Oh, and, and there's headaches, uh, particularly um, like kind of the right side. From, you know, if, if it was me, I'd just, whatever, headaches, just sure, stand up. But it's something on the right side. So if that's you, just stand up. Appreciate that. Okay. Um, put your hand where it hurts. Close your eyes and relax. If you are, those of you who are seated, if you're near somebody, just kind of reach up and touch their hand. Just, yeah, just release the power that's in you. It's not even that you have to be praying. Just reach up and join with them. And in John 15, it says... God bless you. No, I didn't say that in John 15, but she sneezed. I am the vine, you are the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When you connect, the presence of God flows through you because that's the way he called it. That's what you're doing. You're releasing the presence of God that's in you. So, Lord, we speak to fingers, to wrists, to hands, to headaches, pain in the neck. The immune system, we speak the power of God into the throat. The immune system, more, Lord. We release the power, the healing, swelling, inflammation, anything that is not of the Lord Jesus Christ. We break your power. We come in the authority of Jesus. We break the power of every assault of the enemy. Some of you are feeling, not only have you been attacked, you feel like you've been assaulted. Yeah. So we speak the healing word of Jesus. We speak into the immune system. If you're particularly praying for somebody who has got immune problems, if you will lay your hands right above their kidneys on either side. That's the adrenal glands. In the, in the natural, 
the adrenal glands regulate um, the adrenaline and regulate that fight or flight kind of thing. In the spirit, in the spirit, um, it regulates the anointing. And so we want to stimulate the adrenals to fight off sickness and disease. Now come, Holy Spirit, more, more, more. We bless what you're doing in this room. More. Stomach pains, go. Indigestion, where you've just got like a constant um, pain in the lower part of your abdomen. The vocal cords, Lord, let them sing like birds again. The Achilles tendon, we speak literally where it has been tightened. Lord, I stand on the power of the testimony. Last year when I prayed for that man and the group meeting, and the doctors had told him that he shredded his Achilles tendon. And he was on a week two of a boot cast, and he was going to have to wear it for eight weeks. And they told him, stay on your crutches. Don't put any weight on it. Don't take it off. Be careful how you move around, etc." And he took his boot cast off, threw the crutches away, walked out of the church, and came back the next day, totally healed, never had surgery. The doctors couldn't understand it, but they said, there's, there's nothing we need to do for you. You're totally healed. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I speak into the jaw and the neck in the name of Jesus. Now more, Lord. You said that we could press into you and ask for more. More, more, more in the name of Jesus. Okay, everybody stop praying. Those of you who stood up to pray, you can sit back down. If you stood up for prayer and got prayer, stay standing. Okay, I want you to check your body. Do whatever you need to do to check how you're doing. I don't know how you check your stomach. Just move it around. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But fingers, head, because some of you had headaches, etc. And if you can say that you just received a measure of healing, I don't care if it's 1%. If something happened during that prayer, would you just wave at me? Just wave. Keep waving. Keep waving real high. You, you can't do that. You're sitting down. Come on, you got to stand up. Yeah. So everybody can see. Keep waving. Keep waving. Keep waving. Keep waving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What happened? Power. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this has been really hurting a lot when I'm dancing and it's going better. When you're dancing? Yeah, I worship dance over there. Uh, okay. And I do a lot of stuff with my arm. When I raise it, I have yeah. a pain right here. And yeah. Better. Yeah. Course, yeah. Yeah. I got the same thing when I'm. Who I, I, I know some of y'all, but I don't remember which ones. You raise your hand. Okay, tell me what happened. Peace. Peace. You know, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Who else? Uh, fingers are better. Thank you, Lynn. And the gentleman way back here. More, Lord. Yeah, isn't that something? Yes. Yeah. So you're the one who wanted me to pray for stomachs, and okay, we got it. And there was a bunch of people who were dealing with the same issues. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, you sit down. Let's do, let's do, let's do two more categories, and then I'll dismiss, and y'all can.
bring the ministry team up and, and I can get to sit down. <laughs> That's what the ministry team is for. I mean, I, you don't want me to do all of it. Um, we want to see the ministry team, right? We've got a ministry team, right? So um, let's do this. Because I lost the use of my arm Thanksgiving of 2013, where literally I could not move it, and a lot of prayer, a lot of physical therapy. The prayer helped, but it was the physical therapy. Um, you know, I wish I could say, oh, yeah, I just raised it. I sat between Randy Clark and Bill Johnson in the healing seminar in January of 14. And, I, and when they were busy, I got prayed for by the prayer team. I was on the front row at the Civic Center. I had all kinds of people praying for me. And I kept thinking, it's going to just, it's going to do it. It's just, come on, boy. Come on, boy. There we go. Come on, boy. Come on, boy. And no, it didn't, it didn't come on, boy. But it made me mad. And I believe in payback. Proverbs 6, 30 and 31, when the enemy is found out, he must repay seven times over. I have seen, because I, I now understand when you can't, Use your arm to put your luggage up in the luggage. When, when you have your hand on the steering wheel, and if you happen to loosen a little bit and it falls down, I understand what that's like. So I go after it. And I've seen healing of, of arms, fingers, wrists, everything. I've seen more of that than pro- probably anything else. So if you have a problem from the shoulders, the rotator cuff, that kind of thing, all the way down the elbow, the elbow, um, wrist, fingers. I know we just had a thing for fingers. If that's you, would you just stand up real quick? Yeah, real quick. Right or left. And if you've got a lot of neck pain, a lot of times that's associated with shoulders. What I found out from all of this stuff is um, that a, a lot of things from the head through the neck into the shoulders, it's all connected. Okay, so just... It, it, whatever it is, just stand up. And if you are a pain in the neck, okay. I think what I well, go ahead and put your hand where the most pain is. If there's not enough hands and too much pain, then just open up your hands. I guess. Okay, but but you're, you're like he's doing, like she's doing. So neck pain, and a lot of times headaches can come because of that. So if that's you, sure, stand up. Why not? Let's get in on this. Okay. And if, <laughs> uh, if you're prone to falling, uh, you might want to be close to a chair where you can sit down. I don't know. It's just up to you. Okay, close your eyes and relax. And just let the presence of God sweep into the room. Holy Spirit, come, for you are welcome. More, Lord. Increase the power. Increase the power all over this room. Yeah. More, Lord. Elbow. Shoulder. Muscles, ligaments, tendons come into order. We break the power of every afflicting spirit. Cancel every assignment of the enemy. In the name of Jesus. Now more, increase it. Increase it, Lord. Increase it over Laura. And she just presses in. More. We speak 
blessing to the wrist. Lord, standing on the power of the testimony, there was a time early on in our ministry where literally if you had carpal tunnel syndrome, you, if you walked into our meeting with it, you could not walk out with it. It was 100% healing ratio. Do it again, Lord. We stand on the power of that testimony. Lord, we bless the neck, the shoulders, the fingers, the wrist, the elbow. Lord, particularly we bless any tennis player, which is what I do. Yeah. We bless in the name of Jesus. Shoulders loosen. All the tension and the stress and the pain go right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you will start to move what hurts, I think some of you are going to start to realize you're being healed. Yeah, like, so if you have, like, this woman is, is doing her arm like this, like Laura is doing that. Yeah, well, like you're doing out like this. Just begin to move it. See, there, it's like putting your faith in action. It's taking a risk and stepping out. Okay. How many of you would say in that prayer right there, you just received a measure of healing? I don't care if it's 1%, but I want to know, and I want you to wave your hand like you really are excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, tell me what happened. Um, I, I have a measure of healing. It's not 100%, but usually when I go up like this, it just couldn't, it was a lot of pain. Right, and you've got lim- limited mobility to about right. there. Yeah, I mean, I could do this, and then all of a sudden it would hurt. But now I could just move it all the way around. Wow, well, yeah. well, well. So that's a big deal. Yes, it yeah. is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I felt a lot of warmth and chills. Warmth and chills. Okay. Oh. Take it either way. And, um, I can now go like this. Wow. And you couldn't do that before. Wow. Come on. We call that healing, by the way. Yeah. Do you pray for the sick a lot? I put somebody behind you. Stretch your hands toward her. Lord, release, 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 release. A fresh anointing, fresh anointing, fresh anointing. 
Fresh anointing. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Those of you here this afternoon, you heard me tell the story of 21-year-old Leisha in uh, Australia. And um, she had a healing anointing released on her. She had prayed for a lot of people and had gotten very discouraged because nobody was getting healed. Well, she's been seeing people healed, but now it's time to take it to another level. And that's what I saw when she was telling that story. And God brought incredible healing to her, but now he's releasing her into a greater healing anointing. Yeah. And now she just has to step into it and actually do it and go for the, the hard things. You know, it's one thing to pray for the easy things like the headache, but it, you need to go for the hard things like blindness and death. No, it's all easy for him and you're not the healer. So you go after headaches in the same way that you'd go after eyesight or deafness, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's all easy for him. And if it's easy for him, all he's asking you to do is step into it and do it, right? Is that right? <laughs> okay, there they go. And wild, yeah, tell me. Thank you, Lord. Okay, come in. Now, stand up and take it like a woman. Lord, complete, complete it, complete it, complete it, complete it. Look at me. Bam! You know, every once in a while, you just got to have some fun. And there's no place better to have fun than blazing fire. Okay, your friend keeps pointing at you. So what do you have to tell me? Come on. I get pain in my neck a lot because I, I go to the chiropractor and my neck's always getting unaligned. If you get pain when you go to the chiropractor, don't go to the chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was sitting here, my neck was in pain, but as uh, after I had my hands on here and you prayed for me, it, I don't feel pain anymore. It just feels a little tight. So it's definitely okay, better. Okay, close your eyes and relax. Stretch your hands toward her. Lord, just loosen Complete loosing all that tension and stress. Just come on off. Come on off. Everything loosen. 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 Yeah, you carry everything, every bit of stress in your neck and your shoulders. You're going to find that sleep tonight. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. He gives sleep to his beloved. And that scripture also says that sleep is sweet. That, that scripture, he gives sleep to his beloved, can also be translated, he gives to his beloved even in sleep. There are times when he wants to give us revelation 
and he can't do it during the busyness of the day because of what we are, what we do. So he does it during the night hours, the night watch. Um, I I don't know if you can tell if how well because you were moving your arm and now you're laying on your arm. Um, How are you doing down there? That you? Yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're moving your left your your left arm, but the left arm wasn't the problem. Do you know what we call that? The chicken anointing. That's what she was doing. Are are you doing okay? (laughs) Y'all are so fun. You always have been. You always will be. Let me do one more thing just to give you, and then I'm going to turn it over to somebody. Do you want to get that word? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was in a meeting recently with um, somebody from Reading, um, from Australia, Gore. Uh, yeah, Chris, Chris Gore. And he, he had kind of had a revelation a little bit, and so he's just passing it along. John 15, somewhere, John 15, um, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And so he was praying for somebody. He never said a word, just laid hands, because they said, I've got pain like in my shoulder. He laid hands on the shoulder, and he's just thinking. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. He is on an airplane, so he didn't want to embarrass anybody. But he's just thinking, you're the vine, I'm the branch. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But you flow through me. Your presence enters me. I become someone who represents you. Let it flow. Never, he never said a word out loud. All he's doing is thinking. I'm the vine, you're the branch. I'm the branch, Lord. I'm the branch. You're flowing through me. So how was that? Oh, all the pain's gone. So that's really what we did with her, you know, and then I, I, I did have some fun, and, and it's been all good. Okay. This is Kathleen, and she's got something, and then we're going to turn it over to leadership. Hello. <clears throat> how many of you have been to the Dead Sea? Oh, wow. Now, there's a few over here. What's so awesome about the Dead Sea? You float. Even if you're not a swimmer, you're buoyed and you can float effortlessly. (laughs) She agrees. (laughs) Well, Bill is a salty guy. And he brings the Dead Sea with him. And we start floating in the healing anointing. And 
I just want to prophesy over you tonight. Because some of you are being buoyed and are just filled with the joy and you're excited about this. But others of you are just thinking, I don't know if I can do this. But it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. People who can't swim go into the Dead Sea. And they float. And they're buoyant. And they realize, wow, this is easy. So when you go back home, you go back into your neighborhoods, you go back to work, you go back to school, and the Lord reminds you of the power of the testimony that you heard and you saw. Don't be afraid. It's not you. Just say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to be buoyant in your spirit and to pass on your love and your healing anointing. Wasn't that good? How many of you feel encouraged? Yeah? Yeah. Like, did you see just the simple prayers? Did you catch that? Simple prayers Bill was praying. He was just tag-teaming with Jesus, tag-teaming with the anointing, the Holy Spirit. So I just, I just want to close. I want to pray for you all, and then we'll bring up our prayer teams. And if you need a little more prayer, because you got mostly healed but need a little more, come on up for prayer, because let's go for 100%. Okay, because we've been hearing again and again and again, often it's, it comes in stages, and you get a little more, and you get a little more. So, um, so Jesus, yeah, I'm going to pray right now, Lord, I ask that you would, oh, God, and whatever measure each one of these is walking in healing right now, you would take us to the next level of anointing, God, you would open our eyes to see more opportunities to pray, more opportunities to prophesy. Lord, help us, each one of us, become just a little more tuned in, aware, seeing what you are doing just like Jesus did. And would you make each one of us, God, I know I just, for myself, I pray this as well, more and more aware that we can do nothing. We can do nothing in and of ourselves. It, It really is all about you. And us just grabbing hold of you and releasing it, Jesus. Would you do that in each of our lives, God? Oh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Ooh. And-